0: What is up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's so beautiful to have your presence here with us today. I am so grateful for your support and I promise that you will not be disappointed by this conversation with the one and only Dr. Jay Feldman. And Dr. Feldman is an osteopathic medical doctor and founder of Otter PR. And in addition to running a 40-person media agency, he teaches alternative medicine and hosts the Mentors Collective podcast. He has been featured in top publications and contributes for entrepreneur Dot com. And fam, as always, when you listen to this episode, please do not just let the information flow in one ear, out the other. Really do your best to absorb what Jay and I speak about and see how you can apply it to your life because knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. And that is what I want to stress to you today because I wanna see you continue to grow and thrive. And speaking of thrive, I am hosting a free live workshop on Monday, July 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. This is gonna be a lot of knowledge bombs, really giving you the blueprint to take ownership of your mental health and physical body and live a life that you are proud of. You'll have the opportunity to ask me any questions afterwards, so make sure, fam, because I don't do these types of things often, hit the link in the show notes, sign up, okay? And I'll see you on Monday the 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Now, let's get to today's episode with the one and only Dr. Jay Feldman. What is up Thrive Tribe? I am so excited to share this gift with you. And that gift is Mr. Dr. Jay Feldman. Jay, welcome to the show, brother.
1: I love the introduction, brother. I love the energy. Mr. Doctor is a new one for me. Uh, so I appreciate mm-hmm. it. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share with, uh, with your audience and excited for a conversation with a friend, brother. Have a oh real. yeah, man.
0: I appreciate you. And I'd love to start off talking about uh, your journey as an osteopathic doctor. Um, just because you know, like I mentioned to you before, my dad was a neurologist for over forty years. I've been known to kind of—I uh, don't want to say hate on the on, on the Western medical model, but um, there's clearly some cracks in the system. And I feel like osteopathy is is a great bridge. Can you just share? Uh, kind of what that mindset is and and why it differs from a typical doctor in Western medicine?
1: Sure. And thank you for asking. I'm actually really glad we're, we're starting with this because people are probably hearing osteopathic and DO and are scratching their heads, which was super normal for me in medical school and after medical school. It's become more and more common. In fact, 25% of graduating US doctors are now DOs. And there's such a misconception about what they are and what they do uh essentially a, a DO trains has the exact same training as an MD has the exact same licensure can do the exact same things and even do the same residencies with MDs the main core differences are one DOs also have an additional course in musculoskeletal therapy sort of like chiropractic medicine but we go a little bit deeper into the organ systems and things that they don't touch on the other thing that they don't really tell us is the difference but becomes very evident even in your first year is MDs are very research-focused. They're very focused outside of clinical medicine, not dealing with patients. Not to say that they don't or they're bad at it, but they also have an additional focus in research, whereas DOs are not that research-heavy. Our focus is clinically. It's with the patient, looking at the problems in a holistic way, uh, exactly exactly like you said before the conversation, what the root cause of the problem is. Uh, we help get down to what that is rather than just like you say, there's cracks in the system in, in Western medicine, and I agree with you. And it's a, a common th- thread that we use, slapping a Band-Aid on the problem. I like to think that DOs are trained not to do that. We look at the root cause and address, address the root cause, and of course, you know, slap a Band-Aid on when we need to. Uh, but the real difference for, for me is the musculoskeletal therapy. It's It's been a game changer for me and uh, my my practice of medicine and a game changer for people who receive it and highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen a DO to go check one out.
0: Hell yeah, man. So did you do, you did four years of medical school and then three years of residency? So four years of medical
1: school, and then I completed part of my residency in family medicine. Uh, okay. As you, you know, I run uh, Otter PR, which is a media relations agency. We're now up to 35 employees. Uh, so I ended up uh, stepping back from that to do this full time. I still teach, I do health courses, I do health instruction online. Uh, I see friends and family, uh, but my kind of main focus right now is on entrepreneurship. And I use a lot of those tenants from my medical training in business and in developing my own skills as an entrepreneur and also training other entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah. How did that transition occur from being in the medical industry for for essentially your entire uh, youth and upbringing, and then switching over and really stepping into your power as an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. And it, it wasn't binary. It wasn't like I'm a doctor one day, I'm an entrepreneur the next day. My first company was before medical school. I went into medical school with two businesses already thriving and, and in existence and was able to sort of delegate through medical school, but definitely took a, a, a good amount of my attention during the time where I probably should have been you know, really hitting the books. Granted, I was a great medical student. Um, I was always a high achiever and Everything that I try to do, and I, I believe in that. But the transition wasn't. It wasn't like a hard stop. You know, I my third year of medical school is really when I t- found my groove as an entrepreneur. My fourth year of medical school was spent ninety percent of my time on business. Uh, and for those of you who are in medicine, know fourth year of medical school is really about kind of interviewing and finding the residency program of your choice. I was I had very strong mm-hmm. scores, so I didn't have to do very much of that. Spent most of the time developing my company, which ended up being a seven-figure company by the time I graduated medical school. So the transition was pretty smooth. It was a hard decision, uh, but it, you know, in the end, so far, it's it's worked out in my favor, and I've never oh. been happier.
0: Hell yeah, man! Was was? And I'm curious to know: was your pursuit to become a doctor was that more of your desire internally, or do you feel like there was some? external pressure, whether it be society, family.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this is a great kind of fundamental question for people who are picking a career. Being a doctor uh, is, one, a very respectable career. It's one that people can go into and automatically demand kind of some some respect because you're, you're helping people. It's a job that requires a lot of hours and education, and it kind of guarantees you a comfortable life. So that's why a lot of I think parents and grandparents push their their children in that direction. I loved the sciences. I thrived in them. I loved what I was learning in medicine. Actually getting out there into practice and being a doctor, the act of being a doctor uh, in the specialty that I chose, which was family medicine, was vastly different than what I signed up for and in, in so many ways. And we can dive into the healthcare system and how doctors are being abused and controlled but you know, essentially it wasn't about the medicine anymore. It was about bureaucracy. It was about r- repetitive paperwork and being held accountable for minutiae and notes and fear of being sued. And very and about 5% of what I loved, which was actual the medicine, the interacting with patients, the treatments, the procedures. It became way less about that and way more about gotta make sure I document this little thing so we don't get sued and I don't get yelled at. And it's just it really wasn't for me, brother. And for me, it was about you know pursuing my dreams and helping people at a mass scale. And that's what I hope to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's very well said. You know, i I know based on a lot of conversations I've had with doctors, there's a lot of burnout. And I know you've spoken about this on stages, physician burnout, you know, the average appointment time with a patient is I think like eight to 12 minutes. So you don't actually really have time to build that connection and rapport with the people that you're seeing. And um, I also know that you said that you feel like now is the best time to be a doctor, despite all of the issues and problems with the systems. Can you elaborate on that and, and, and share why?
1: Yeah. And this is this is really kind of a view of the world. And there is so much opportunity with the internet, and I know this has been said a million times, but I can't enforce it enough. Having knowledge and having a stage to share that knowledge and an immense population of people willing to pay you to essentially to, to take your knowledge in, in a condensed form that's easy for them to digest and implement is an amazing opportunity that our parents and our grandparents didn't have the health courses that i'm creating the content that i'm creating the content that you're creating is so scalable and we're able to touch and help so many more people than i would you know spending 15 minutes eight times a day with patients that are signing up to me to get a physical exam or to get something signed for you know workplace injuries it's we live in a beautiful time and for those of you who are willing to learn how to take advantage of the internet and scaling your, your knowledge, I, I spent a lot of time in school. I spend a lot of time now researching alternative medicine, researching fitness and health, researching performance optimization. People have the chance to go online and pay $99 to get a condensed form of that where they can take all of this knowledge bottled up specific for you, and I'm able to spend more time doing what I love. And it's just a win-win and it's a great thing. And it's, it's, it's a way that, way to look at the world.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to know if you've gotten any backlash or criticism from other people in the health space or specifically in the medical field with pursuing the path that you're on.
1: A ton of backlash. And if you look at any of the healthcare practitioners or experts that have strayed away from traditional medicine, they're automatically become black sheep because it's very counter- narrative to what traditional doctors are are taught i don't want to call i don't want to you know point fingers and poke jokes at the traditional medical community but it's very one-sided it's very one narrative and that's and I, i experienced that i was i went through the system i spent my whole life in the system i was told what to prescribe i was told what to do i was surrounded by the people i was surrounded by the narrative so anybody who strays away from that whether they want to say, and I'm not saying any of these things at risk of being <laughs> hung up by a string, but vaccines have risks. Or they say, you know, the vegetarian diet isn't, isn't great. I mean, if you see the battle between different uh, diet influencers, my God, uh, anyone who says a carnivore diet is okay is automatically strung up. Anybody who says not everyone needs the vaccine, automatically strung up. Uh, so yes, I've withstood much backlash from the from the western medical community i foresee a lot more of it and that's just a you know a fact of life that we're going to have to accept and the most important thing here is that we we keep trotting on and that society and social media and big tech stays open to new ideas and doesn't get shut down by the one-sided narrative which i think is going to be the the biggest and trickiest thing going forward man
0: For sure. And I appreciate you sharing that. One of the, one of the things like 99% of my community is, it's all, it's all like coming from love and everyone, like we've really cultivated an amazing community, you know, online and with my students as well. And one of the common things when there is negative feedback is that, first of all, it's rarely constructive. Like, rarely are people willing to actually Have a conversation two differing opinions like hey dude you think this i think this like i'd love to learn more about why you think that and like maybe i can learn something but people have become so defensive they've become so dogmatic and one of the things that i'll hear is like you're unqualified to give any health advice because you're not a doctor and i'm like listen you know i've dedicated 10 years of my life to studying health all the different certifications and teachers and, and practitioners that I feel like, you know, have a ton of knowledge and wisdom. And and a lot of these people who are doctors who are giving medical advice, they're not embodying a healthy lifestyle like what you wouldn't take business advice from somebody who's broke. I'm not going to take health advice from somebody who's obese.
1: I couldn't and agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more, and that's, and I'll say firsthand from going through the system and learning what they taught us, we learn a lot about how everything works together, but we learn very little about how to optimize health. We learn very little about nutrition. We learn very little about treatments that don't cost very much money, and that's a major problem. The, the majority of knowledge that I've accumulated about those subjects happened long after I graduated medical school and left residency. They happen right now. Uh, so the health influencers that have gone through horrendous like gut biome disasters and have gone through uh, you know, massive, they, they wake up with no energy and there's no solution for them. Traditional medicine can't help them. And then they research for hundreds of hours on solutions and they try things and they see all of these different people. And I, I strongly believe that they know a whole lot more than MDs about that specific subject. And that they do have the credibility and authority to be able to talk to people and, and advise people who are are suffering from similar, similar diseases, because that's what they are.
0: Yeah, for sure, bro. What are some of the practices, like the non-negotiables for you that help you perform at an optimal level, both personally, physically? Uh, running a business takes a lot of energy and requires a lot of intention, especially when you start building your team to the size of yours. So what are like three to five non-negotiable practices that you implement every day?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, you're right. Uh, As entrepreneurs, especially those who I know who have been successful, it's 10 to 12 hours a day of work and you need to be on point for every single hour. So some things that I've learned and implemented for myself over the years uh, to make sure that I, I perform at an optimal level every single day are the ones that are going to be obvious for people, but I'm gonna give pretty specific tips on how to really hone in and optimize those things. But you can't overlook fitness, you have to exercise. Uh, and the, it's, it's a lot easier than people think. I know you need to do a lot of cool stuff outside, uh, classes. For me, it's as simple as living in a place with a gym and having some accountability. So every morning I go and I work out for 45 minutes in the gym, I do heavy lifting. I actually do yoga twice a week. I have class pass. Uh, I believe fitness has takes a lot of different forms. Obviously there's, uh, there's cardio that people need to do. I think resistance training is very important and I think yoga is very important. And I think people should implement all three of those, uh, types of categories of training into their, into their fitness routines. And it goes a lot for maintaining balance, maintaining mindfulness and maintaining, you know, a, a, a traditional level of level of fitness that you can't just, you can't get by just doing one of those categories. You need cardiovascular fitness. You need to have strong, be strong in resistance training, and you need yoga to maintain flexibility, especially into into old age. Uh, so those are three, three points that I will never forego. Uh, diet is huge. And I know there's a lot of diet influencers out there saying all lectins are bad. All meat is bad. It's so personalized. And this is why I never give blanket statement diet advice. For me, it's about connecting with your body. When you're eating, really take note about how you feel before and after you eat. Uh, And for me, I know what those things are that are going to trigger an inflammatory state in my body and just take a cloud over my eyes and my brain. For me, if I have fried foods, for example, I know immediately after eating a few French fries, Within minutes, I'm going to have a cloud come over my face, and I'm not going to be able to work out. I'm not going to be able to think clearly. I'm not going to be able to do things like this. So I've cut fried foods completely out of my diet. Processed sugars, that's another one. Never, never, never. I mean, cakes, sodas, all of that stuff is the second thing to cut out. And then there's a huge debate on this one, artificial sweeteners. There's some that are clearly better than others, but some that I strongly believe you should avoid, even though a lot of these... Uh, MDs will say, oh, they're proven to not cause cancer and not cause uh, <laughs> gut, gut dysbiosis. They do. They, they do. A lot of those studies were funded by big, big, big soda and, and junk companies. Uh, so those are the three things that I would suggest people do for diet. Non-negotiable. Obviously, there's fine tuning to be had there. And the third is healthy sleep and a happy life. You have to stay happy stay positive, keep things in your life that are going to give you things to look forward to and bring you happiness. For me, that's my dog, my friendship and traveling. And that's not going to be the same for everybody. But if you get too focused on health and business and success and money, and you go day to day without happiness in your life, then you're going to burn out and the whole point of life is not worth it. So those those are my non-negotiables. I hope people can take some of those and, and use them for yourself. but it's really not a blanket one size fits all. Uh, but figure out what works for you and really learn your body. Uh, and hopefully that that helps some, some of the people listening.
0: What is up, Thrive Tribe? I'm sorry to interrupt today's show, but I promise it's for good reason. And I am here to remind you that on Monday, July 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, I am going to be hosting a free live workshop where I'm going to give you the blueprint to thrive both mentally, physically, and spiritually. This is something that you don't want to miss. You're going to have the opportunity to ask me any questions you want after. And yeah, I hope to see you there. Now, let's get back to the show. For sure. Yeah, I love that. Talking about building that intuition with your body when it comes to food is like really listening because we usually have a lot of the answers, but we've just been ignoring some of the signals and signs that our body is giving to us. And uh, yeah, the the people for me, Jay, that, that I'm like, that kind of trigger me are the calorie deficit people. They're like, all you need to do is get in the calorie deficit. And it's not at all about the quality of calories. It's simply just a number. And I think food is so much more than that. Food is energy. Food is nature. And food can be so healing if we allow it to be. So I yes. appreciate you sharing that.
1: And I, I have good friends who are in medicine who are those calorie deficit people. It's really a, a root way of thinking. The Those same people are the ones that are evidence-based in everything that they cite. They'll tell you specific articles and research studies oh. that say, Calorie, calorie deficit is the only thing that matters and artificial sweeteners don't hurt you. There's so much more to the picture and research and specific studies, even if they're not there yet, don't, don't give you all the answers. And we don't have all the answers yet. A lot of it is kind of common sense and intuition. Like, yes, of, co- of course, the quality of food matters. If you eat three potato chips every day and you're getting the same amount of calories as, you know, organic spinach and... Uh, an amazing piece of piece of beef, if you eat this equivalent in calories and potato chips, you really think that's all that's gonna matter. And some people just are have lost their common sense and intuition. Uh, but it's two very different belief systems and it's frustrating for me too, let me tell you.
0: Yeah, what do you think is like the, the if there is such thing as kind of like a proper blend between the research And between the studies and then also just being mindful of like the anecdotes and yeah, sometimes it takes five, 10, 15 years for things to be published and researched thoroughly, thoroughly enough for those things to be proven effective. So do you feel like there's a balance that can be achieved between the two? And if so, how?
1: I think the the more important question is can we learn to acknowledge that we might not have the answers yet uh, and aren't asking the right questions? Because for a research study to give you a specific answer, you need to ask a specific question and design a study in a way to answer that question. And if one piece of that is off, if the the question is framed wrong, if the research study is set up wrong, if you're not controlling all of the variables in that study, For example, you have 10 people and you want to see if eating a French fry induces inflammation. And you take those 10 people and feed five of them French fries and three of the other ones are eating potato chips on the side. You don't know those three are eating potato chips. You're going to get skewed results. So yeah, I I think there's a lot of learning to come. I don't know what the answer is in terms of making research more perfect and making it answer more questions. I think the more important question is can we learn to acknowledge that research is not the whole picture and you, you'll do a hundred studies and get a hundred different different results based on so many different factors. Uh, so a lot of it is really going to be asking better questions, asking them differently and learning to trust our intuition as well as the research and then try, trying to find a balance between the two.
0: Mm. Yeah. You also mention, I know the importance of community in terms of bringing us more happiness and more health. And I think obviously the last 18 months have made that a little more challenging. So can you talk a little bit about the impact community has had on you personally, and then how people can maybe implement more of that into their life?
1: And this, yeah, this this goes into overall happiness. I do think people need a network of, they need a community to, it's proven, you'll live longer, You're happier uh, if people have that community, that friendship, that aspect of life. So you need to work on it. You need to spend time working on it. And if that means developing your social skills or spending some time reading books about making friends and learning how to make friends and how to build community, you should spend time doing that because it will make you a happier, healthier person. I've read books on improving my personality, improving my my likability, making friends, even dating girls—I've read books on that too. Uh, so that's definitely a place people sh- people should spend more time on themselves, and it's the health benefits of it are all are researched. If you want to check on the research on community, it's there. It's obvious. Uh, yeah. So some some ways people can implement that into their life is find hobbies and find people in their area that are doing those hobbies. Facebook groups right now are one of the best resources in the world for meeting new people that do what you do. Uh, mm. So if you are in a place and you don't have a great friends friend support system, you don't have a great community, pick something that you like to do. Find a hobby. Um, for me here, I just joined a gang of one-wheelers. Uh, I ride around St. Pete on my, on my electric unicycle. I've only done one ride so far, but I just moved here. I'm building a new community. Hey. Like 40 awesome people riding around town on their one-wheels and unicycles. And that's just like one small example. I have a beach volleyball community here. I have my group of entrepreneurial friends. We do business stuff. I have my festival friends. I love going to raves and music festivals. Hey. Uh, and there's a group for all of those things. So people need to spend some time really honing in on it. Spend, spend time during your day communicating and investing in those friendships. And it's, it's going to lead you to be a higher performer. It's going to lead you to be happier. It's going to you know, start the domino effect to a better life and a more productive life.
0: Jay, since you've gone to festivals, you've gone to some raves. Is there any DJ's performance? Like when I when I say that, like is there one or two or three shows that really resonate from at the top of your mind? Like, wow, that was fucking epic.
1: I've got two that are popping out at the top of my mind. One was Avicii Ultra, probably twenty fifteen. Um, mm. it's st- yeah, still to this day, I think about it. I watched the live, I watched the sets on YouTube. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, go check out Avicii. I think it was 2015 ultra music festival. And obviously it's got even more impact now. And the second was one that I recently saw here in, in Tampa. Griffin, uh, is my, one of my new favorite all time DJs. He just plays my, my type of music. Um, just. Smoothest transitions. It just has you feeling so hard, and that—that's what I look for in a set. Like, who can really run you through an emotional roller coaster and just make you feel for an hour? And Griffin and Avicii had had a way to do that.
0: Hmm. Is are you are you more of like a are you more of like a daytime like if you have the choice like I'm gonna you know go to a pool party and vibe during the day or a beach party or something like that a boat party or like a nighttime club, like which one of those resonates with you more?
1: Probably during the day. Um, but again, it depends. Like if my friends are asking me to go to a Sunday brunch, the answer is always no. But if there's an awesome, you know, DJ playing a set on the beach or a, a cool boat party opportunity, I'd rather do that than work during the day and stay up partying all night. At least I get a get a good night's sleep. Usually the vibes are better. Uh, so daytime party for sure. How about you? What is, what is it that you prefer?
0: Yeah, bro. Daytime yeah. for sure. And I feel like I feel like people, people don't have their guard up as much during the day. Like you can actually see people, you can have conversations, you can make eye contact, which are all things that I value. Um, but I think it's important for people to understand who are listening, watching right now, like someone like you, someone like me who prioritize our health, we prioritize our our business ventures, like there has to be that element of fun in your life, because if there isn't, you're just, you're, you're, you're just not fully enjoying and maximizing this human experience. And, and like, when you go to those things, someone recently asked me like, dude, how can you, how can you like go to, I was at, um, a Steve Aoki pool party with my mentor in Miami, right?
1: I'm singing. i just him this opened up. What's that? I'm seeing him this weekend in Tampa.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so someone asked me like, dude, you like, you, you seem to party pretty hard, but you also promote health. And I'm like, listen, whatever I do, I'm fully present in that thing. So like, if I commit to going out to something like that's where I'm going to be, I'm only going to commit if I know I can be present. And um, I think, that balance, that ability to integrate all of these things, is is so important. Um, and what what are some of the other things? So, so you played college volleyball, right?
1: I did. Uh, and just going back to the festival thing, I you know this has to be researched more, but I strongly believe there's a correlation between people who have an outlet to just kind of let loose and be themselves. Guys don't get to dance very often, and a lot of guys stop dancing stop having fun, stop being their true selves, and just letting letting the beast out for a few days. And I think that changes people. And I've seen this a lot with my friends in medicine. They stop having fun like we, we did back in college, and there's no reason to stop that. I think it's healthy to have something scheduled once a month, once every two months, where you can go and just just be with people you love, let loose, and dance and whatever it is that kind of just fills your soul and finding something like that I think is super important I know it's therapeutic for me I'm sure you felt the same thing Uh, but when people question me about festivals too as, as a doctor you know what are you doing here people are doing drugs they're drunk they're vomiting that's not what it is for me it's a it's a way to to go dance. It's, it's my, my outlets, my release. Uh, So for those listening who are high performers or being ridiculed for going to festivals, don't keep going. Uh, It's gonna It's going to benefit you in the long run. It's going to make you a happier person. Obviously don't overdo it on any, anything that's going to negatively affect your health. That's, that's, that's obvious, but yeah, I'm glad we touched on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you have any fun ones lined up? for the rest of 2021
1: you bet brother um so steve ioki this upcoming weekend then we're doing mexico city for a week uh coming back doing imagine in september uh that'll be a three-day camping festival doing uh suwannee uh for halloween that's uh Huloween and Suwanee lake and then edc orlando for my birthday uh, november 11th that's another three day so if you are at any of those festivals brother we're gonna link up
0: Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Those, that, I think everything you said is like really, yes, yes. Spot on. Um, and real quick, where did you play college volleyball at?
1: So University of Florida actually started at Florida Gulf Coast University, went for beach volleyball, uh, played professionally on the beach for a long time, for five years. My former partner is now still one of the top players in the whole country um, professionally, um, oh, Wow! but played professionally on the beach for a while, played for indoor University of Florida, uh, outside hitter, played for team Florida. And that career kind of ended when I started medical school in New York. Um, Unfortunately, had to prioritize school and not a lot of places to play beach volleyball in the city. And it's only a few months out of the year where you can play at all. Uh, So kind of gave that up. But now I play casually recreationally, Uh, still a ton of fun, great exercise and great people.
0: Hell yeah. You do it all Jay. And I want to, I want to finish off with a couple, a couple like rapid fire questions. Um, before I do that, your podcast mentors collective, right? Yes, sir. Who are a couple of the biggest mentors that you have in your life right now that are really helping you on your current trajectory?
1: Really funny that you asked that. I ask uh, all of my guests on mentors collective that same question at the end of our episodes And it's important for people to have mentors, both people they know and people they don't know, people they look up to online. Uh, They follow their trainings, they follow their social media, they surround themselves with those people. Uh, So some mentors for me, Um, Jesse Henry was the first kind of business coach. He's the one who got me started in my first company. He's the guy that I call when somebody makes an offer to buy one of my e-commerce brands. He's the first guy that I call when I'm having an HR issue or a legal issue. Uh, so, definitely, he's probably my personal business mentor. Now, the guys that I look up to virtually um, are probably a lot of ones that you've heard of. Uh, Elon Musk is, I, don't, I wouldn't really call him a mentor because he's trash to listen to, but I've been following his journey for a long time and he's absolutely incredible. But Tony Robbins has been a big influence in my life. Uh, I've bought some of his trainings. I. Uh, have talked to him uh, through social media a couple of times. Russell Brunson is another major one. He actually follows me on Instagram. Uh, very proud of that one. Uh, he's the hey, founder hey, of ClickFunnels, major digital marketing guy, guy that I look up to a lot. And honestly, Dave Asprey. And this one's going to be controversial because he is like the ultimate black sheep in the medical community. But I love what he's built. I love what he stands for. Uh, I don't agree with everything that he says. But uh, I respect him. He also follows me on Instagram. Uh, another <laughs> credit point for me for that one. Uh, hey. But uh, he's he's built something amazing. Uh, he's been able to establish himself as a medical authority without any traditional medical credentials. Uh, so I respect the shit out of that and what he's done. So that's I, I, again, I think everyone should should find those mentors that they that they follow and surround themselves with online and in person.
0: Hell yeah, man! I'm I'm. I, and I think having multiple, like you said, in different industries because your your health mentor might not be the best financial mentor, business mentor. So I appreciate you making that uh, distinguishing point. And let me ask you, bro, if there were it's your last your last supper, Jay, you've built the businesses of your dreams, you've impacted hundreds of millions of lives, and it's your last supper and you get to have that dinner with three people of your choice, can't be family or friends, we'll say they currently have to be living right now. Who would those three people be? And what are you having for dinner?
1: And what are we having for dinner? That's the the ultimate question. Um, So I'm gonna have to choose a couple of my mentors, Tony Robbins for sure. I would love to spend time with that man. Elon Musk, so I'm pretty sure he's an alien, and I really want to dig into his brain a little bit one on one. And man, the third one, I, oh, I don't know.
0: Maybe some feminine energy?
1: Yeah, I would love to get some feminine energy, especially with, with, with Tony there. Uh, Woman I really look up to is Oprah. Um, she's mm-hmm. the ultimate triumphant su- success story, uh, coming from where she did, uh, battling everything that she did and what she's built. Uh, I think she is one of the ultimate kind of role models of our generation. So I think that would be a great three. And what we're having for dinner, lobster mac and cheese um, with some, some baked breadcrumbs mm-hmm. on top. That's my, my guilty Maybe. pleasure with, with bagels and cream cheese, which is my okay. other guilty pleasure. Some
0: locks, Maybe some
1: locks on the bagels, <laughs> bagels and cream cheese with, with some locks, tomato, some onions. Every Sunday I'm, I'm exploring St. Pete, Tampa area, looking for the best bagel uh, the the Jewish New Yorker in me.
0: Hey, that's what's up, bro. Question for you. Uh, Jay, is there anything we talked about or didn't talk about rather that you want to touch on before we close things up today?
1: Uh, you know, we touched on a lot of good stuff. I know a lot of the people listening and a lot of your followers are health conscious and want the best for themselves, both to optimize their health and to live a better, happier life. Uh, The biggest piece of advice for you is to surround yourself with different opinions. There's a lot of them out there. They all hold some validity. No one's got the entire picture. Uh, So you should do that. Don't just follow the Dr. Mercola's of the world. You should also follow the people who are very research and evidence-based. You should follow people like yourself, like Jeremy, who talks about a very specific aspect of health. There's a lot of, it's, it's a bigger, more complicated picture than a lot of people understand. And you need to, Pick pieces from all of it and then make your own decisions. Don't take anything that you hear online as fact. Um, No one's got the whole picture. And that's really the message that I want to get across to everybody. And what I try and portray in in my day-to-day teachings is that nobody's 100% right. Uh, And you see that with religion, diet, everything. Uh, There's a lot of educated people saying a lot of different things, and they're all partially right. And it's up to you to kind of take it all and make the most informed decision that you can. Uh, Mm. And that's, that's the best that we can do.
0: Hell yeah, bro. I appreciate that. Jay, I want to acknowledge you man for everything that you're putting out in the world, all of the impact that you're creating and really sticking to your truth and not being a slave to society's expectations and really trusting your intuition and following your dreams. I think it's inspiring to see anyone who really commits to chasing their dreams full on and and is willing to work for it and really also balancing that with fun, with a social life, with that abundant human experience that I think we all desire. And um, I just want to acknowledge you, man. And I'm really grateful that uh, we were able to connect and where can people connect with you more and learn about what you're doing?
1: Best place is going to be Instagram at Dr. Jay Feldman. I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes. And Jeremy, I want to say thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad I was able to connect to another like-minded uh, like-minded guy. I'm glad we made a friend here. I'm excited to, I've been excited to follow your journey and see you doing a lot of similar things that I'm into, promoting a lot of the things that I believe in. Uh, so in any way that I can support you and your message, you just let me know. And for everyone listening, uh, I appreciate you hearing a new perspective, a new point of view. And again, it, please connect to me. Please DM me on Instagram. I respond to just about everybody that has something meaningful to say. Um, and I'm, I'm here for you guys.
0: Hell yeah, bro. Well said. Much love, fam. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You already know what... Time it is. It's time to take ownership of your life and thrive. All right, podcast fam. I don't know about you, but that conversation with Jay Feldman left me so inspired. The amount of knowledge and wisdom that this man has at such a young age is incredible. And it reminds me to continue going and to continue pursuing this path of personal growth and development. And I can't wait to hear what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode. So please hit Jay, hit myself up on Instagram. His Instagram is at Dr. Jay Feldman. Mine is at Coach Jeremy 305. And let us know what was your biggest takeaway from today's show. And as always, fam, if you got benefit from the episode, please, please, please take the eight to 12 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. This ultimately allows us to reach more people and impact more lives. So thank you so much in advance for your support, your love. I'm so grateful for you. And you already know what time it is. It's time to stop settling for mediocrity and start thriving.